Welcome to Viewpoint on Construction, our podcast series that offers modern takes on a transforming industry. Beyond the latest construction technologies and best practices, this podcast series looks at the innovative ideas, creative voices, and forward-thinking themes that are shaping our industry. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome. I am still, last time I checked, Wayne Newitz, and we are still broadcasting on A Viewpoint for Construction. I am very thrilled to have with us today, honored and thrilled, to have Miss Andrea Wright, CEO and founder of CPT Solutions, LLC. Don't forget that LLC. It's important. Andrea, welcome. Hello. How are you, Wayne? Hi. I'm doing great this morning. How are you, ma'am? I'm good. Well, it's so good to have you on the broadcast today. So you, I know, are the CEO and founder of CTP Solutions, LLC. You've got years and years, at least three, right? Uh, Probably more like 20, I believe, of experience in our industry, helping companies make the use of their technologies to help drive their business. And that's what you do right now with your company. Well, let me let you tell us, what uh, what do you do at CTP Solutions? You know, I do several things, but the main thing I do around technology is I help companies prep for success, figure out what they're doing, why they're doing it, and then figure out a plan to set them up to succeed. And that's that's all pretty simple, right? Just cookie cutter. It's all the same for everybody. No problem, right? Oh, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Well, great. Thanks, everyone, for joining us today. No, I don't think we're quite done. I, I, I think there's probably some devils down in the details here, Andrea, so... So let's dive in. What we're here to talk about today is technology. And our fear might be too strong of a word in many cases, some cases not. Uh, Aversion, avoidance of adopting new technologies, even when we're pretty darn sure we could benefit by them. Why is that? And and, and I want to start out with something I was thinking about, which is that technology itself is accelerating. I think we can all agree on that. If if not, I'd love to see your comments uh, in the podcast comments here. But I think it's fair to say it's growing faster and faster. Exponentially is a word that's thrown out a lot. Uh, I think there's something to that because, and here's my thesis, the, the more technology we have, the more we're able to use that technology to grow even more in our, in, in our knowledge, in our technology uh, implementations and development. And, and so technology begets technology. The snowball gains momentum rolling down the hill. That's, that's my opinion. Andrea, what do you think about that? Is it really, is it really moving faster or am I just getting older? I think it's, it is moving faster, but it's all relative, right? So we think about our grandparents, and depending on your age, depends on how old your grandparents are, right? But mine grew up in the you know earlier 1900s, and you know they watched cars show up, they watched electricity happen, they watched TVs come into their house. So while they're watching all this technology, you know they were young. Their parents were thinking, "This is insane, you mm-hmm. young people today. What's wrong with you?" So I think, yes, we have more technology than we've ever had, and tomorrow we'll have more technology than we have today. But as time goes by, it's still all relative. We're all always kind of reeling from what's going on. Well, yeah, I know, and that's completely true. I remember my grandmother not being able to understand how where cartoons came from. And, and even I, as a, as a, as a young child, 
I was able to explain that to her and she still quite didn't get it, you know, rather the same way I am with Snapchat, for example, don't get it at all. But in the construction industry where we live uh, here, you and I, I, I think we see this in a bit more contrast than in other industries that may be a little bit more tech forward. And I'm being a bit generous there, I think, right? You know, the first thing that people say when they talk about the construction industry and technology is that, well, you know, it's an industry that is, uh, it's aging. I think uh, one report I read recently, average age of uh, management folks in construction around 55 years old. So uh, I can relate and I can understand that you know, new technologies, cloud, mobility, uh, we could go on and on, be, you know, uh, big data, business intelligence, all of these things are coming at folks so fast whose main job is not technology. It's not information management or systems, typically. It's building things or servicing things. And so we have this almost perfect storm of technology is not the core. We have an aging, uh, an aging workforce. What's your opinion? And is that a stereotype that really we need to move away from? It's not so much about age anymore. What's, what are your thoughts on that? Well, I think it's really about sifting through the minutia that's out there. There is so much that, that's going on. And, and, you know, you are hitting on it, like all those buzzwords, blockchain, digital twin, I want BIM, I need this. And so I think a lot of companies are really thinking of, well, how can I be on the cutting edge? Mm -hmm. And they're missing the point of let's figure out how we can make our business better using technology that's out there today. Right. And we, because there's so much going on, it, it is difficult. And depending on who's looking at it, if it's our, you know, Gen Xers or our baby boomers mm -hmm. or our millennials, there's a little bit more or less understanding about how it's going to fit into the big picture. Right. I mean, there is there is that that shiny object syndrome, right? Where you know, oh, this new great thing, we'll, we'll figure out how it's going to help us later. But by gosh, it's got to be able to help us somehow. And, and and I do think that younger employees of our companies of our firms do tend a little bit more towards that. Of course, they also I think do tend to have a better all integrated understanding of how things work together. But that's often paired with maybe less experience in the industry with with business issues, the the actual solutions that need to be solved and all the context around those. So you know, so we have almost two complementary but sometimes conflicting workforces in my view of things where you have an older established management group they understand the business and the needs they they, they know what it takes to to get a job done on time on budget and then you have younger folks who know that it could be done so much more efficiently with new technology but they may not understand the connection so so what do we do about that how do we how do we bridge that gap or bring these two these two views of technology in different uh, different generations together. Uh, what what have you seen? You know, I, I've seen a couple things. Um, one is making sure that the baby boomers and the Gen Xers of the world are connecting with the millennials, and there's a platform for that in companies. Um, you know, you've heard that reverse mentoring. And mm -hmm. Companies do that very successfully and make relationships between the two where now they start to trust each other and start to figure out how they can lean on each other for their own expertise and, and put that together. And yep. I think that can be pretty exciting. 
No, it is. Uh, and believe me, it takes a whole village of folks to reverse mentor me into a lot of different technologies, despite being a nominally technically adept person. So I think that's a great point. You know, we, we have these, you can look at these as two complementary strengths in your organization, uh, a strength of folks who understand the technology, a strength of folks who understand how, you know, what the business solutions are, where some tools may indeed be needed to solve it. And in fact, when they let me out of the office from time to time, I speak on, well, emerging technologies and these themes, but not so much on the adoption of them. It's almost a presumption that, well, of course, everyone will want to adopt them. I know, though, the audiences I speak to uh, being in construction, you know, there's a a, a well-known report, Andrea, you've probably seen it, where construction is listed as the second to last industry with respect to digitalization, with respect to, you know, taking all the information and having it digital available to you wherever you are. Second to last, good news is we are above the hunters and gatherers of the world, but literally that's it in construction. So I never understood this when I first heard it because isn't construction an industry with so much information that needs to be shared across so many different people coming at it from different angles, every job, every project? What's your take on the industry? How is construction particularly vulnerable, I suppose, to fear of technology? Why are we so low in the digital rankings of industries? What's, what's, your, what's your take from your experience? Well, here, now we can bring that fear that fear word in, right? It's, right? I don't think it's necessarily the fear of change. They've been changing all along and moving along, but it's the fear of spending money on something that's not going to solve the problem. Mm-hmm. And so how do I know when I have all of these options and I hear all of these buzz, buzzwords and there's all of these programs, how do I know which one to pick for my company and how do I implement it and make it successful? Right. Or, or five of them or however many you need. But I think that's where it's just this big pile of minutia that they have to sit through and they don't know how. Right. And yeah, you're hit constantly with terms you barely understand. Uh, you, you spend a good portion of your day looking up and trying to understand, well, what exactly do they mean by an ODBC database or what it, whatever the topic may be before you can even decide whether it makes sense for your business? You know, but I think Ironically, there's also a flip side of this, right? And and it often happens with folks who may be who don't have that context or or haven't grown up with as much technology. There's uh, I've seen a fear of not being tech savvy enough, and I've seen the result of that be let's just go buy twelve different software systems and you know eight different uh, new pieces of of data gathering. Uh, equipment for our for our field was equip everybody with AR and start flying drones around randomly, not randomly, but you know it's it's just an overcompensation. Okay, my lack of, my my the lack of knowledge can be compensated by just buying everything. I've seen that happen as well. So it almost seems you know a bit of a bit of almost an out of control situation. That's either too much or too little. How do we stabilize? How do we get on a nice same trajectory in our industry that can bring us up to a level of technology adoption that makes sense. Uh, what what types of things do you do and what do you tell your clients? Right. And, and I, it's different for every company, right? Because every company is smaller or larger and has the internal resources or external resources 
to implement different ideas. So I think it's it's first getting really clear. What do you want to achieve? Mm-hmm. Right. Let's not worry about how we're going to achieve it, but what we're going to achieve. Right. And then once you can get there, we can start to figure out, well, what tools are going to help you do that and narrow the playing field? You know, and we can do short term and long term or short term, midterm, long term. But it, it really depends. And it's very different for every single company. So Andrea, I couldn't agree with you more. What I see all the time is this, you know, the the cart before the horse syndrome. We haven't said that, but I think we've both been saying sort of that. It's, you know, very, very cool solution. We have this new business intelligence capability or predictive analytics capability in-house. Great. What are we going to do with it? Uh, who owns it? I, you know, so many things need to happen to make technology successful beyond just buying it or subscribing to it, right? What are some of the What are some of the key things that you tell people specifically when they're considering new technology for their company, uh, and 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 they come to you, or they just ask, "How do I? What do I need to buy? I don't even know what I don't know." Where do you begin with folks? Well, again, it, it's first figuring out what do you want to do? What 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 is your goal? What is your vision for the technology? Do you you know is it as simple as you know? I just like you were saying with the dailies. I just want my people to be able to email dailies. I don't want them to write them on a piece of paper anymore. Mm-hmm. Or is it as big as I need a system to take over everything? Accounting, change management. I need everybody in one system. So once you get clear about where you want to go with that. Mm-hmm. Then figure out, okay, well, let's pick the tools that would work for us. And that's almost sometimes the easiest part because once you know what it is you want and how you're going to get there, right. now comes the heavy lifting. You got to implement it. You've got to train people on it. You've got to put the resources on it to bring it into your company and to have it make sense for you. And then after you do it, you've got to be able to support it and retrain because change is hard. Right. People want to revert back to the easy way, not Mm -hmm. because they don't want change, not because they're fearful of it, but because they got to get their job done. And you know what? If if I could get my job done in five hours before, now it takes me 10 because I'm learning something new. Mm -hmm. Human instinct is going to put me back to wanting to do it the way that I've always done it because it's just more effective for me. It might not be more efficient. But right now it's more effective for me and I haven't gotten my head wrapped around yet how this new way is going to help me do my job even faster. Andrea, I see this uh, again all of the time myself. And I would I would say that there's also a, you know, kind of a, a tunnel aspect to this in that, you know, people know if they if they go through this dark, scary tunnel that there is a light. They can even see it before they're going through it. And and that that, that tunnel of, of learning and adopting and integrating new technologies into the way you work. Right. It's it's change. It's hard. But, you know, more than that, it's work. You do have to learn. Uh, you know, there are many things and many ways that uh, technology vendors are trying to make that easier, but you still have to go through that. And, you know, we're all, like you said, we're all putting, uh, you know, 10 pounds of work into five pound bags almost every day. Where are you going to get, a, you know, an, an, some extra room that you don't have to throw in? Let's get trained on technology, right? So are there any shortcuts? Are there any magic solutions to this, you know, to getting over the hump, to putting forth the effort to be better later. How do you talk to clients about that? I really just talk about reality, right? There, there's not really a magic button 
of how each person in your company is going to deal with change. So you have to be realistic going in. Right. You have to know it's going to take time. And there are going to be people that jump right on the bandwagon. Mm-hmm. And there is going to be a lot more people who go, I don't get it. I don't want it. And so it's all about how you present the information and support your people through the change. And that, that's the part that people don't think about or want to deal with, right? I bought this technology. I trained it. Um, you know, they all spend four hours in the classroom, and now they should go out and be an expert. Okay, but that's not how learning happens. <laughs> no, so, lear- lear- learn it. learning happens all the time. That. Yeah, all the time, every day. Yeah. Yeah. And so, it happens through repetition. Right. All of these things, I couldn't agree more. How how do you coach people who are, you know, the forward thinking, uh, you know, maybe not even early adopters, right? But folks who, who know mm-hmm. that technology, if properly implemented, will help their companies. Uh, they're making a pitch. They're fighting. Usually they're in the minority. They're, they're, they're usually having to convince folks higher in the food chain than they are, right? How do you equip them or how can the folks listening who are in that position, how do they equip themselves to help uh, to help their companies help themselves with better solutions, better technologies? What, what can they do? So one of the things they can do is understand the return on investment that this software is going to give them, right? Mm-hmm. Do a study. Understand how, it, once implemented, it's going to save time. It's going to bring efficiencies that you didn't have before. And, and really forward think of what, what does it look like when you're through that proverbial tunnel you were talking about and you're out on the other side. Right. And so, you know, a lot of the, the VPs, they're always looking at the bottom line. That's their job. Mm-hmm. So help them, help them draw the line and help them connect the dots to understand how will this help you with your bottom line? Right. It's, it's going to take some heavy lifting because we're going to have to shift mentality and thinking of people in our organization and that's okay we've done this before right every company has had to do that at some point but when we're out on the other side it's going to look something like this and and here are the top you know three to five things that we're going to gain from from this yeah I agree. It, 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 you know, that sounds simple. I think one of the reasons it's more difficult in technology, well, one of two reasons is that, first of all, not everyone understands the technology. So if you're, if you're making a business case to someone and they really don't get what you're talking about, mm-hmm. you're probably not going to succeed. But, and, and then the other side of that is when you come to the, come to the table, come to the boardroom with excitement about a new technology and you're bought into it because you fully understand it a couple things you know as mentioned know that your audience probably doesn't but also i hear i see this all of the time it's a focus on the bells and whistles the features the functionality of the technology focus on the business result on the business challenge what you're trying to solve for and how this will help that is it's actually a tall order right now, I think, uh, Andrea, because we have so many younger folks, maybe not without without all of the context and business uh, acumen and wisdom accumulated over years, right, who, who know that this technology is bound to affect productivity increases, what have you. But it's hard because they don't, it's hard for them to connect the dots. So it, it almost seems like both sides need to come to the middle a bit, right? I would say, who else better to help than your marketing department? Who's writing your proposals? Who's looking at your RSQs? Mm-hmm. Because clients are asking for very specific things. 
Right. So how can you deliver that? And that might be where you start. You know, what are the top four things, top three things that our clients are asking for? Right. And how maybe that's where you start your mission and vision around. How can we just deliver this? That can help you get business. No, I agree. Marketing can serve as a unifying uh, a unifying force because marketing does, by definition, need to understand the market, understand the needs of the clients, and then bring that back into the organization to affect change, to affect you know product and service development, uh, and and help guide the growth of the company. So that's a great point. So now let's say that you are in that position and you are. You're, you're faced with making technology decisions. Uh, you have some buy-in. Let's now talk about actually making that technology work in your company, because I, I you know, nothing, nothing will will cure fear or aversion like some some good positive <laughs> results and uh, and you know and and some good feelings and 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 so so what things do you emphasize when you're saying all right if you're going to adopt this new technology you're going to move to the cloud you're going to give everyone in the field mobile devices and enable them to have more information what what types of things do you tell folks to to be careful of to do to make sure that their technology implementations work so that they can start overcoming that fear and start rolling faster with technology. What 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 are some things people can do? Uh, it's it's really about getting the resources in your company involved. So you know if you if you think that you're going to go into an implementation and you're going to have the one lone IT guy or girl do this implementation, push it to the company, and you're going to have success on the other side. You're going to end up with either a product you're unhappy with, mm-hmm. not because the IT person didn't know what they were doing, but because there was no buy-in by right. your um, your team members, or you're going to end up not using it, right? Right. You're just going to end up shelving it, and I think you you have that shelfware, right? It's just it's yeah, really it's cool it's one it's a lot of money on. Yeah, it's one term that we dislike a lot in our particular uh, part of the industry, providing software. Uh, we want folks to use it, obviously, and so often it doesn't. And, and you know, more to the point, though, it, it doesn't get used either in the way intended or more the case to the extent that it can help an, an, a, a company and a firm. You know, it, it will be used for just one aspect. I, I see this all of the time, bringing a, uh, you know, a front end loader in when you really just needed to dig a hole with a trowel, right? And applying expensive, complicated technologies to some simple problems and the reverse, very simple technologies that are aimed at, at, at solving larger problems. So what is, is there also a formula or a process by by which, you know, as, a, as a, con- a contracting firm, let's say right now we have someone and they're running maybe a $5 million a year contracting firm. They're trying to understand what technologies do I need to grow into the future? How do you even begin mm-hmm. to understand that? The company needs to know who's, who's out there trying little bits and pieces, because what, what I have found is that there is technology that's being used in the company and half of the time, nobody's on the same page, right? This project team's using this and this project team's using that. And you've got five, six, seven, eight different people spearheading something. So nothing ever gets off the ground because they're just these little pockets of use. So understanding what's really going on here, what have we tried, what's been successful, what's not been successful, Mm -hmm. what do we really, really wish that we could do a year from now that we can't do today? Right, right. And then we start to paint that picture. It, it's very different for every single company because where they want to be 
and where they are, it's across the board. That makes it even harder because there's just so many options. Uh, no, Andrea, I see. I, I couldn't agree more. I see the same thing uh, going on. You know, a, a piece part approach sometimes to technology. This is the way I, I've described it. And what I think may help is the fact that fundamentally we're in an industry where the work we do is it's a team sport, right? It's very rare that one contractor, one firm alone, is going to be the only firm involved with a construction project. So it behooves us, right, to be able to work with others and not be siloed and that's the way jobs get done and that is the way more and more and I'm seeing this happen encouragingly in many in many contracting firms the silos are breaking down the realization is that the information that accounting needs and that project managers need or you know operational folks uh, equip folks in the equipment yard service dispatchers and managers they all need fundamentally the same data and they want to use it potentially in different ways. But when you have disparate systems spread all over the place because one little piece of new tech was cool here, another person in another department found a piece of cool technology to use here. These pieces of technology don't work together. So it's not really helping the company work together better. And that's where you get productivity gains in in many regards. In other words, technology seems to be being implemented kind of on a task level basis, less on a business process basis. Does that make sense? And is that something you're seeing? Yes. And it also gets implemented on the shiny new tool basis, right? Uh I heard this really cool thing called plan grid. I need to have it. And then I heard this really cool thing called VDC. We got to do it. And so there's little pieces out there which need to happen, right? We need that research and development in our companies. Mm -hmm. But if there's somebody keeping an eye on where we're going with it all and and that we we have our vision and we're marching forward into that vision and it's okay if our vision changes but we all need to understand that it's changing and just keep you know keep an eye on where we're going sure sure yeah, it does and, and and in your travels uh i'm sure that you've encountered you know the good the bad and the ugly in this domain of technology understanding and adoption changing the names to protect the innocent and the guilty are there any stories you can share with us about examples of companies that struggled with technology but you were able to get them over that hump and take them through that proverbial tunnel you know I, i'd have to say it's time and time again that people get through the implementation, um, no matter how big or small. And then what happens is they want to just end, end, right? Yeah. Check, we, check the box. Put our check resources in it. And, and I, I, yeah, and it's not one person in, or one company in particular. This is every company even just speaking to them um, and hearing about the implementations that they've done. Mm-hmm. They, they get through the implementation. They get that software going, and then they just stop. And what we know about technology is it's never going to stop. Mm -hmm. So you have to keep investing time and you have to keep investing money, unfortunately. And and I think time is money. You know, it's all the same. It doesn't necessarily mean a monetary amount on a piece of software, but it's time with our employees. It's time with our resources and getting them further along the the train of that software because, you know, we have to peel away the, the onion, right? What we teach them in the beginning is so small and it's usually there's more and more and more that they can do with it mm-hmm. and, and investing that time to, to keep that process going. 
so they're growing and our company is growing with the technology. Sure. No, I, I couldn't agree more on the fact that we're using the word investment here, I think is key because it, it is an investment. And you know, by definition, it means that there should be some return on the other end of it. Uh, is, is that a challenge for companies, for contractors or, or for you in your role uh, counseling and consulting with them? Is it difficult to measure the ROI on technology? And, and what are some of the, the, the advice that you give, uh, the suggestions you give about how to know whether or not your investments are indeed paying off? Because as you mentioned, they don't or shouldn't stop because technology doesn't stop in its development. What advice do you give to folks to keep up with the curve? Yeah, there are a couple things that they can look at. One, importantly, obviously they can look at the bottom line. Does it feel like and look like and can they gauge that processes are being done more effectively and efficiently than they were before, mm -hmm. right? And, and a lot of that is knowing I can now do more with less. Right. So right. That, that I think you can capture by talking with your your people. Also, it, you're, you're going to see the... Um, it's almost like there's a happiness that happens. Of, you know, we've got our millennials coming in and, you know what, even our Gen Xers and our baby boomers, they get really excited and proud that they've been able to, to accomplish this and do this and they can talk about it. So I, I, I hate to always kind of leave out our Gen Xers and our baby boomers and say, mm -hmm. well, you know what, they don't like technology. A lot of them love technology. Mm -hmm. And so I think with everybody, it's, it's that, you know, are our people progressing? Are we investing time and in, in training them and, and furthering their understanding in their career in, in every aspect, right? We don't want to hire somebody one day and 20 years later, they're still working for us. If they're doing their job exactly the same way 20 years later, we as a company have failed them. And as someone sitting, someone sitting on an AARP card right now uh, in my wallet, uh, but but who still loves technology, I was I was considering myself, you know, because I still, despite my you know my leaning towards high tech and, and all things shiny like that, uh, I do find myself not understanding what all of the new options and offerings and social media tie-ins uh, you know exist in the world right now. This is something where a, a younger person who is still kind of in learning mode, right? These are folks who are you know not that long out of school. They're still in a mode in a mode of being introduced to new concepts, new tools, you know, with a more plastic approach to, to understanding them. Uh, and then that stops when you enter the workforce and you start working and you move out of learning mode. Well, you know, I would argue that you, you can never afford to learn out of uh, move out of learning mode. You always need to look at the tools that you've got in your in your tool belt and keep them sharp and confirm that they're the right tools, no matter no matter your age, no matter your industry, actually. So that's that's my take on it. But I think, Andrea, I think that that is a is a is a good segue it's a good segue for my friend, the chicken. And for regular listeners of this podcast, you know the chicken. I know the chicken. Andrea, I'm not sure that you've been introduced, but I did warn you that you needed to come with a couple nuggets here to the event, or at least one. Did you did you bring a nugget, Andrea? I did. Oh, okay. Well, thank you. Thank you for doing that. Our audience thanks you. So with that, chicken, if you could announce, uh, announce to the audience, it's nugget time. We're ready now. The chicken's prepped us. What's your nugget for the audience? 
I think the most important thing for our listeners out there is to really think about what is it that I want? What is my goal to achieve? And then figure out the strategy behind it and to be realistic about what you actually can do as a company. That is a statement that makes complete sense, I'm sure, to everybody who heard it wasn't too hard to say or understand. There is a lot behind it though, isn't there? There is a lot to do, but I think I think we certainly both agree, and I hope most listeners do agree, that it's an important thing to do. Technology will continue to grow. It will The snowball will continue to roll down this hill, gaining momentum. You probably want to be uh, running with that snowball. You don't want to be run over by it. So uh, you know, understanding technology, understanding the best ways to adopt it are, are vital for all of us. And, uh, and luckily, luckily, there are people like Andrea Wright and firms like CTB Solutions LLC who can help us do that. And so, Andrea, thank you for sharing some of your insights with us today. We really appreciate you joining us. You're welcome. It was fun. Thank you for having me. Oh, you betcha. And uh, and I'll mention if anybody wants to find uh, out a little bit more about what you do, Andrea, I believe your website, and correct me if I'm wrong, ctpsolutionsllc.com. Did I get it right? You got it right. Yay. Okay. So CTP, everybody knows how to spell that. Solutions, most people know how to spell that. LLC at the end. There you go. Andrea, thank you so much again for joining us. Folks, thank you for listening and tuning in once again to a viewpoint on construction. Talk to you all later. Thanks for joining us today, and we hope you enjoyed the show. Check back for new podcasts at viewpoint.com or on the same channel. Craving more thought leadership pieces? Check out our Viewpoint Surveyor blog at blog.viewpoint.com, which is updated several times per week with the latest news, industry best practices, and much more.